You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 104, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Larson, thank you for joining me as we explore the U.S. medical system in a fun and informative format through expert analysis. Today's expert's just me, and we're going to talk a little bit about my experiences over the past year. I know I've told people who have been following the show for quite some time now that my family's been without health insurance, and so what is it like as a physician without health insurance? Before we go into that, a little bit of bookkeeping to take care of. Show notes for the show will obviously be found at theparadox.com slash 104. There you can find links to the episodes that I'll reference and also some information if you're interested in health sharing. Uh, I'd also like to recommend you go to patreon.com slash the paradox, and that's again spelled T-H-E-P-A-R-A-D-O-C-S. There you can find ways to support the show financially. All the money raised goes towards production and the promotion of the show. Finally, if you've not yet subscribed to the show, I encourage you to do so at your favorite podcast player, whatever you're listening to right now, whether that's the Apple format, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Also, if you could leave a review for the show, it'd be much appreciated. You can leave that at any of those podcast players. Five stars is highly appreciated, and anything you write down is even more appreciated. To take just a few minutes to write about what it is that you like about the show, and sharing the show with your friends and colleagues and family has made all the difference. Now, the show is part of the Doctor's Podcast Network. You can find that at doctorpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, that should increase the breadth of the show. Also, occasionally there'll be a little bit of advertising at the beginning of the show. There's not going to be in this one. Although I would like to recommend you go check out the audiobook From Killer to Common Cold, Herd Protection and the Transitional Phase of COVID-19. I narrated this book for Dr. David Graham. He's been on the show a number of times. Most recently, we did talk about that exact book. It is now in an audiobook for those of you who are audio people and since you're listening to podcast. That might be you. So if you want to listen to my voice for even more, it's a great way for leaving me in your head for another hour and a half uh, as we go over that book. And I think, again, it's a great book. It covers a lot of the basic science of 
coronavirus, COVID-19. And I think Dr. Graham makes a pretty compelling case for how we're going to get to eventually an endemic phase of coronavirus. It is unlikely, and certainly as you're seeing the results around the world, that we're going to get to any point where COVID-19 just disappears. And it's not something that people get infected with. We don't have an effective vaccine. And even if we do, it is unlikely to cause any durable, lasting immunity. And this is all things we discuss in the book. A link for the book and the audiobook will be found in the show notes page as well. Although you could go to any audiobook player that you happen to use, whatever your favorite is, and you can just look up From Killer to Common Cold. But without further ado, let's have this discussion about my life without health insurance. So as you may or may not know, obviously I'm a physician, but my wife is also a physician. And through some fairly uh, odd circumstances, we were left with a decision in November of 2019 where we'd be without health insurance. This is partly the problem with health insurance in general, as you find that your employment is very much based on whether you have health insurance. And so people who don't or who are self-employed face significant challenges when trying to get medical care or certainly having it paid for. The traditional way, of course, is with a third-party system, which is where you have someone else actually pay for the medical expenses. So that means that you buy insurance. The insurance company then pays the person who's providing the care, what pharmaceuticals or hospital or whatever, and then they, they're the ones billing the insurance company. And so you're sort of not in the middle. You're, there's a, someone in the middle between the transaction, and that would be the third-party system. Sometimes it's a government payer. Sometimes it's an insurance company. But most of the healthcare transactions we have in this country are done in that manner. So there's always someone in the middle making those payments. But occasionally, that's not the case. And so those are people who are either uninsured or have some other means of taking care of things. And so that's what we found ourselves in as far as the situation. Basically, because my son passed away in August of 2018, my wife was unable to work, and I have insurance through my group only if I purchase it. So because it was a kind of weird year and we're sort of in between, we were stuck in a situation where either I used insurance through my group or we went without insurance. And the way the insurance works with our group is we're basically owners of the group. So we pay the full price of insurance. Most of the time when you're working someplace, you pick up part of the charge and the employer picks up the other half of the charge or oftentimes much more than half of the charge. And so the expense to you from insurance standpoint, from a premium, is significantly less. Obviously, as you know, deductibles have gone up. The premium expectations have gone up. The co-pays have gone up. And so the expense borne by the employee has increased dramatically over the last 10 to 15 years, probably. But if you're in a situation like I am, in that I'm a, an owner, essentially, of a company, there's no one to pay my share. And so I pay the full share of the insurance which would be no different than anyone else who has a small business, for instance, or self-employed. And but that means that I pay the full cost, which is significantly more than the premium you're expecting to pay through work. And so that's why we had always gotten our insurance through my wife's group. Partly that's because they provide benefits as a group. They decided to do that and pool their resources. And so the actual expense borne out individually is much smaller, which makes it more efficient to buy insurance through the group. But since that was not an option... I could get insurance through my group or not get insurance. Naturally, you think, well, we'll get insurance. And we did initially. And then we started thinking about it and thought, why don't we just use this as an opportunity to experiment? I had had some discussions with another physician and actually with episode 48, which you can listen to, where we talk about health sharing, which is not insurance, but it sort of feels sort of like insurance. But it doesn't have the guarantees like insurance does. But in some ways, insurance doesn't have a lot of guarantees as well. 
The reasons for this discovery or decision are obviously the podcast, and I talk about market solutions to problems, ways of paying for things that are not using a third-party pair, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, that it's there's no one in between. And so how do you live that out? How do you, do you live out your principles or not? And I thought, well, why don't we try it? And so we went with this health sharing. And the other reason that sort of pushed me into this was the experience that I had that I've discussed in episodes 56 and 71, where really discussed the incidents I had with my heart monitoring. Briefly to tell the story, I had a heart monitor because I had I passed out when I was on call when I was sick. We made my doctor thought I should get a heart monitor for a week, a Holter monitor, and I was at that time I had insurance, and so we were we were given the decision: Do you want to do it through pay cash right now, two hundred fifty dollars up front, or do you want to just go ahead and just submit it to insurance because you've already made your deductible for the year? And it seemed logical to do the deductible and to submit it to insurance because you know that way you don't pay as much for it, and Anyway, the end. What happened is I got a bill for that same test that the company itself was going to provide the machine and the analysis, basically reading the EKG for six days in this case. But they would go longer than if you wanted. But six days, and it would cost two hundred fifty dollars. Well, instead they sent a bill to me for five thousand dollars. Not surprisingly, I freaked out because of course it was denied by insurance, so I got build the entire amount. And this happened many, many months after I had this exam. I almost forgotten about it. It had been like four or five months after, afterwards, I believe. So my doctor called the company. They said, oh, well, of course you don't have to pay that. We just submit that to you because then the company eventually, the insurance company eventually approve it. And then you will just pick up the difference. So I thought, well, that's fine, I guess. But then I started thinking about it. And if the insurance company paid the $5,000, well, even after the deductible is meant, I still have to pay 20% of the remaining charge. Well, 20% of $5,000 is $1,000. <laughs> and so I could theoretically still have a much larger bill than had I just paid cash right up front. We asked the company, can we just pay up front? They're like, nope, it's already gone through the insurance process. You're sort of stuck at this point. Well, of course, what happens next is I get an explanation of benefits. That's where you get a statement from your insurance company saying, we accepted payments or we didn't pay or this is what you're expected to pay later, whatever. And they said, we accepted this payment or this test, we paid a discounted rate of $4,800, I believe it was. So slightly discounted over the $55,000 that they're billed by the insurance company. And then uh, you'll expect that you should expect a bill at some point for your remainder, which is like $900. So significantly more than had I just paid the $250 right away. Now, I guess I've saved myself 12 months essentially at this point of not having to pay the bill, but it was totally crazy, right? I was waiting for the bill, never received it from the company. And fortunately, they never bothered to go and try and bill me for the remainder because for them, of course, they made out like bandits. They got way more than they would have gotten from me had I just paid cash. And for, I'm sure from their standpoint, there's no point in going after me for the remainder of the balance because it's just a hassle. And for all the times you have to mail people and track them down, it's just much simpler to just take with the money you got and just call it good and not have to spend valuable billing time for personnel to try and track these extra charges down. So that's my experience of recognizing that it's kind of a ripoff. The other thing you see with insurance, you think, well, I get a discount for pharmaceuticals, for medications. And that's a real thing. You see that the pharmacy, you know, if you pay cash, it's this much. If you pay, uh, if you pay the actual price after the insurance, it's usually significantly less. You can use GoodRx, which is a, an app you can put in your phone, uh, 
I think it's just an app. But anyway, you can use that, and they can it's basically it's a way of sort of like having insurance without having insurance since they get group discounted rates for pharmaceuticals. I've talked about uh, the PBMs as well on the show, and you can look back at those and if you're interested in that as well. But we thought, why don't we do this? I talked to another doctor who's had a sharing, was on a sharing ministry for a while. He liked it. He'd done it for a couple of years. He actually had some medical things that happened that required payments, and so he thought it was a good idea. He thought it was a better way of sort of making you a consumer in healthcare because even though we're physicians, we still are just as much kind of clueless and, and have the same sort of market forces forcing us to do certain things as far as being judicial in how we uh, seek medical care and, and savings with pharmaceuticals and whatever. So we decided to take the plunge. And so November of 2019, we decided to sign up for the health sharing, dropped our insurance and thought, let's see what happens. I thought, well, at this some point, this will be an episode. And so now it is the one year later <laughs> in November of 2020. And I'm going to tell you what my experience has been from this experiment. Uh, I guess the first thing to say is that there are all the sharing ministries. They're different. I use Samaritans. That's Christian-based. There are other ones. Most of them are Christian-based. There's a Jewish-based one. There's some that are sort of secular-ish. And so I don't think you have to have any specific um, affiliation religiously. Most of them are fairly loose. They're not like you have to be a certain denomination, but some are, and some are very small and some are very large. Samaritans happens to be a large one. You can find a link to that at the show notes page as well if you want to sign up for that. But I'll just tell you my experience with them. And I think theirs is pretty reflective of the process. It is not insurance. So there's no guarantee of payment. Theoretically, if everybody suddenly made a claim within the sharing ministry, that there would not be enough money to pay all the bills. And so things would not get paid. And then you'd be stuck with it. So there's no guarantee when you do it. Now, I would say in general, anytime you go to the hospital and have any sort of procedure, there's also no guarantee the, hot, the insurance company will pay everything or will they accept everything and they may dictate what you can and can't have. And so you don't deal with that with the sharing ministry. You just sort of still come and pay a certain amount afterwards. Now, the way my ministry works is you have a family rate. There are individual rates, but a family rate was $530 per month. So that is what we mail to, for one month a year, we mail to the actual administration people running the show that pays the overhead. And then every other month of the year, we send that amount to some person in the country who has submitted a claim, like uh, they needed a gallbladder out. I've, I'm trying to think of things I've sent mailed people money for. So that's one. People have had surgeries. They've had medical conditions, uh, problems with diabetes or something like that. Uh, pretty much anything you can imagine you send money for people. Uh, so we would send $530 to some person like Fred Smith in Texas would get this. And then theoretically, if you have a claim, they, someone from the country or a number of people send you money. If you need to have a claim that month, let's say your claim was $2,000 and your expectation is to pay 530 that month, you would pay yourself. So instead of sending $530 to someone else, you'd not, and so that's $530. Plus, they would you would get checks in the for the remainder, which would be something like I don't know what's it, fourteen hundred and seventy dollars. Uh, also, at least in Samaritans, and I don't know how it is with other companies. I imagine they have similar programs. They have they discount the amount that you actually have to um, pay. So, um, for instance, if you demand. I should say demand, that's probably the wrong term. If you pay a cash right at service to the hospital or the laboratory or the professional 
who took care of you, they usually give you a 10 to 15% discount if you pay cash right away. Makes sense for them. By law, they're not allowed to change their prices a whole lot. So you're still paying probably a higher rack rate for things, but you can um, negotiate down, obviously, larger hospital bills. But for like something like a oh, like a office visit that might have been $130, they'll knock off 13 or whatever dollars. But that money actually goes towards towards your savings if you get if you then submit that claim through the health sharing. Um, so then you can actually theoretically get even more. So they encourage you to get seek cash discounts for when you're getting services. Well, I never really thought for as much as we use utilize medicine, we don't really use it a lot. And so I didn't think we'd actually have that. Well, I was wrong because immediately <laughs> right after we had, um, the health sharing, we had a claim ordinarily, if you have a pre-existing condition that is not covered by the health sharing. So if you were to develop a cancer after you've started with their program, then that is something they'll cover hundred percent. If you had cancer and then go and then say, Hey, now you got to pay for my chemotherapy. They'd say, uh, not going to happen. There are two different levels at Samaritans. One is you could pay $530 a month or for a couple hundred dollars more a year, you could have unlimited coverage. So the $530 a month actually cover you, I believe is up to a million dollars per occurrence. So that covers most things, but it's not unlimited. And as you know, you get some crazy thing happen. And if that's the case, then you, it would be nice to have something that extra protection of sort of unlimited coverage, which most insurances would give you for the most part. So we paid that. And so that made our bills a little bit more than $530 a month. But anyway, once we had this claim, my wife had to get some extra imaging because of a screening exam and we got to learn right away how this whole process worked and it worked fine. The only thing I would say is it took a little longer to get the money back. And so we paid in and I think it was probably four or five months. It was, we, it happened in November and we ended up getting reimbursed in February. That's partly on my end in that I didn't know how to submit the claims properly. And it's somewhat tricky. You have to make scan things and send claims and it's not that hard. I mean, it's only hard because as a healthcare consumer, we're just not used to doing anything. <laughs> so it makes it a little more difficult. So uh, I would say that after we paid the first $250, everything after that was covered. And it was. And we eventually got all that money back. And I had to, but we were out sort of waiting those few months for until we got reimbursed later. So you have to pay up front, but you will get reimbursed later. So, you know, you have to have some disposable income. Not a problem for our family. I realize it's not the case in everybody's family. But Again, this is just an experiment. So uh, the other things to talk about when it comes to the sharing and expenses and the fees, I will have the spreadsheet on the Paradox website. So at theparadox.com slash 104, you can find the spreadsheet that shows all of our expenses for the month. Actually, I'm sorry, for the year. This will, it compares the hypothetical had we have been on our HMO HSA that we previously been on, or I should say that I would have had been on with my group. Uh, and then also the overall savings or loss. So how much we either, it was a financial good move or bad move will be there. And it's pretty simple spreadsheet. Um, and you can follow it along. It's pretty easy. So the other things that go into the sharing, obviously you have to have there's initiation fee, which is a couple hundred bucks, and then there's administrative fee, which is like 15 bucks. But outside of that, that was just the first month. And after that, it was just 530 a month. Although for us, you know, like I said, we had unlimited coverage, so it was like 570 a month. 
The other thing is, is if you want to see a doctor, you have to pay the doctor, right? And so I had already had a direct primary care, Dr. Mott, who's the star of uh, the early episodes of the show. That also be linked in the show notes page where she talks about what it's like to be a direct primary care physician. So she's a direct primary care, which means that it's a membership-based fee. And so you pay a certain fee per month and it covers your family or yourself or however you want to structure it. Unlimited visits. She actually provides medications, discounted laboratory work, and you can kind of bug her as much as you want. <laughs> I joke with her because she's my friend now. And uh, we, I kind of tease her about that. But uh, pretty easy family. I think we're relatively healthy. We do have some problems with migraines in our family, uh, not me, but everybody else. And so that's where most of our medical sort of things happen. Uh, so we pay that monthly. So the, the average monthly fee for our family is $530 for sharing, which usually ends up actually about $560 plus $110 for the DPC doc fee. Some direct primary cares are more expensive. Some are less expensive. It just sort of depends where you live and what they charge. The actual charge for the health insurance is well over $1,000 per month, and that's a premium. Now, it is important to point out that since I buy it through my work, it actually comes out as a pre-tax money. So I have to deduct out sort of what the tax savings would be for my tax bracket, which is you know over 30%. So I estimated that the, the cost of my family for HMO, HSA, 3000 6000 deductible, and of course, every plan's different, so it's hard to know, like to compare them directly but I can only compare what I have to compare, was about $845 a month. That means overall savings are probably a couple hundred bucks a month. So not a, not huge savings, but you can maybe get savings elsewhere. So that's where it happened. Right away, we got that breast imaging test. Obviously, we had to pay those things, those fees ourselves. And with an HMO, HSA, we're still paying towards the deductible, and so you're still paying a decent amount of that. Now, it's discounted through the insurance. But as we've seen, sometimes the discount insurance is not much of a discount, as we found with the, the uh, Holter monitor, right? I also had to compare what the medication costs were getting through my direct primary care physician versus getting through the pharmacy with my insurance. Now, I do some of these medications, but if there were new medicines that we started this year, I had to make an estimate at how much it would be through the uh, insurance. Uh, we can sometimes figure those out. But essentially, my physician sells medications at 10% above wholesale. I think that's pretty typical of direct primary care physicians. They usually charge someone above wholesale. That's one of the benefits they try and provide to add value to your membership. Um, so not all, not all states allow that. Some states don't like Texas. And I talked to Dr. Chris Held earlier about that and how she's fighting to try and have that overturned in Texas and allow physicians to dispense medications instead of having to force you to go to a pharmacy. But in Michigan, we're allowed to have the physicians dispense medications. And so throughout the entire year, I try to keep track of the medications we got, how much it would have cost theoretically had we gotten it through the insurance. And generally speaking, it was much more expensive, even after the insurance discount, and I'm using my air quotes here, that you get from the insurance plan paying a certain portion. Now, until you hit the deductible, you don't really see a lot of those savings in an HSA. So a lot of that, you the expenses you bear uh, up front. The punchline of all this is you go all the way down to November, and so actually it's been 13 months, I guess, is that we've probably saved around $3,000 from what we would have paid. Not massive savings. I mean, $3,000 is nothing to shake a stick at. Um, but there are some things that were challenging with this whole process, right? 
this is understandable. Like if I were to buy appliances, I would expect it not to be easy. If, if I had insurance that covered everything in my house, I wouldn't think anything about how expensive a refrigerator is. Probably the features that much, just make sure it fits and make sure it's, you know, I'm not going to pay for it. So whatever. Um, but with your healthcare and with medications, you start shopping around to different pharmacies. You find out that the same pharmacy is not the best price for all the medications. You might have to go to five different pharmacies and that requires some legwork on your part. If you don't live in a place with lots of pharmacies nearby, it might be more challenging. I'm not sure. Also, my son uh, is small, <laughs> like most of the Larsons, and he had to have some advanced sort of testing. And this involved some radiology and some laboratory work. So you have to be creative. And actually, Dr. Randy Lovell, who's in episode 88, he has imaging capabilities in his office. And so we were able to get an x-ray for him for a relatively inexpensive amount, probably what similar to a copay would be on a radiology film. Uh, we didn't actually need reading because the specialist was going to read it anyway. So we had to pay cash for the specialist. We paid him at cost. Uh, there's also all the laboratory work, which we got through uh, Dr. Amat. And we probably paid about the same for that. It's hard to know exactly how much the copay would have been, but it probably would have been slightly more with our HMO, uh, HSA. But we got a lot of that lab work done for a fraction of what it would cost if you were to try, try and piece it together on your own. I mean, I'd just give you an example. It's CBC, CMP, free T4, TSH, FSH, prolactin, IGF-1, and interglutamate uh, A. Anyway, those tests are very expensive, and we got them all for like a little over $100. Um, that's pretty inexpensive. So I tried to just guess how much that would cost. Um, and I think it's about equivalent. I don't think it would have been much less uh, through the insurance. But other than that, all the other things are pretty straightforward as far as how much they'd cost. I had to guess in some, but I'm guessing I saved probably about $3,000. It might be a little bit more. It might be a little bit less. Not sure. But I can confidently say that I saved money and it was a good experience in the sense that I learned how the market works really well. Uh, and there are ways to, to actually get your care at a reasonable price. But I think, you know, it was really critical to have the direct primary care physician. It made it a lot simpler. Not having that and having to go in and to a regular clinic and pay the cash price at the time, which you can do every time you go is probably like a hundred, hundred plus dollars. You know, uh, you may actually be less expensive because you're probably not seeing the doctor, you know, once a month but you're not also getting the benefits of the medications and discounted. So it's, you know, it's whatever you think is the best move, but I think overall it worked for us. I think the thing that was most impressive to me is just the amount of savings that could be found and also how expensive insurance really is. Like you assume insurance is expensive because it costs a lot for the premium, but the expensive insurance is not even really there. It's, it's actually if you use the insurance, which is the, maybe the surprising thing, I never think of insurance as being expensive for my car because I'm using it. I think of it expensive because the premium's really <laughs> high. But once I have a, a claim, it's actually really cheap, right? I've had a number of times when I had to have claims in my insurance, there tend to be a lot of deer in Michigan. And so we've, we've had some body work done for a car and it is expensive to pay that collision insurance every month. But the actual deductibles, a couple hundred bucks, and you're and it's thousands of dollars worth of body work that might happen. And so in that sense, you think, well, it's actually pretty cheap. Whereas with health insurance, the insurance itself is expensive. The expectation to pay even after you make a claim is actually really expensive. And the, the discounted rates, again, air quotes, that you're provided by the insurance 
are oftentimes not really that discounted. We've talked about this a number of times in the show. It is stunning to me how expensive insurance is, uh, and it's not it's not saving you any money. In fact, it makes the care itself much more expensive than it should be. And I can't express enough times how surprising it is that a discounted rate is actually far more than you pay than if you just paid cash off the street. I, I just don't understand. <laughs> but that's sort of the way it is. Yes, there are rack rates that you pay the hospital, but you can get oftentimes those prices reduced significantly. There was actually another example uh, from a, one of the Facebook groups that I'm a member of, of a direct primary care physician who will actually be on a later show. And she describes her C-section bill. Well, she actually posted it and she said, look at the, the C-section bill. The bill for a C-section was $40,000. So that includes all the medications, IVs, OR time, all the stuff, right? $40,000. She paid cash and her cash price was $5,000. So they, they discounted it $35,000. So the amount, the price that they, they charged the insurance company, if she had insurance, would have been $40,000 or the insurance company said, oh, well, you don't negotiate it down and you're probably only going to cost $25,000 or something. But even if she had a regular deductible, an expectation that once you reach a deductible, you're paying 20% up until some certain maximum payment that you pay for the year. And you can even go back to episode seven with Dr. Kevin Way Casey, where he talks about the way you want to figure out your insurance prices is the total deductible and the maximum out-of-pocket that you'll pay. Because oftentimes there's not as much difference in groups uh, with packages. You may see bronze, silver, gold, platinum, and they're actually all exactly the same when it comes down to the end of if you plan using the insurance properly. But the point is, is that even after paying the deductible, it's entirely possible that her price out of pocket would have been similar to the $5,000 <laughs> and she would have been paying the premium up to that point as well. So it would have been more expensive, right? That the actual benefit of having the insurance was not really much of a benefit. There is a security that we feel, there's a necessity we feel that we have to have insurance. And so, you know, you feel like, well, if you don't have it, you're at risk, but maybe you're not any worse off. Now, it's a lot easier for me, I know, realize as a physician to say, well, you just go and you just you have, to, have to pay out of pocket. Well, you just have to pay out of pocket. I understand. And that's not fair in some ways, but I think it's reasonable to think about these things and how just kind of crazy it is. It shouldn't ever be this way, yet it is undeniably bananas that it works out this way. So in summary, a year without insurance was actually not stress-provoking. I was never worried. I guess financially I'm not as concerned anyway, so that's maybe not a fair or way of looking at things. But I did not feel like I was receiving inferior care. I thought I actually had better care than I've ever had before. I had a better relationship with a physician. I was a better shopper. I understood the healthcare better in the sense that I understood the costs. I paid bills right away. I got cash discounts. It was surprising sort of how the system allowed for not having insurance. And although they may raise their eyebrow, and it's certainly if you tell anyone that, hey, I'm a doctor and I have no insurance, it, it's definitely a shocking thing. People don't believe it. That's possible. But it can be done. It's not that crazy. The sharing ministry works great. There are certain limitations to it. If you have pre-existing conditions, if you don't have any sort of reserve, so if you have to pay some bill and then you can't get reimbursed for a couple months, it might be challenging. 
then maybe it's not the right choice for you. You it also requires some work. So you have to go to different pharmacies, you have to get all these discounts, you have to look and decide is this the thing that I need to be doing? Although I would say that's what you do for most of things in life, and there's no reason it should be any different in medicine. In general, I think it's a good idea. It's also the goal of HSAs, the whole point of health savings accounts is that you're a better shopper and better consumer of healthcare and not wasteful. And I would recommend that anyone to look at that seriously, certainly as we're coming in times now where we're selecting insurance. Now I say all this, and in full disclosure, I'm going back on insurance in January. <laughs> my, we're we're going to go back on my wife's plan. And just from a cost standpoint, it's significantly less, right? We're only paying uh, pennies compared to what we were paying before because the group sort of pays as part of their package benefits to themselves. We could not do it, but again, we're going to be paying a lot more out of pocket. And so we'll probably be living differently in the sense that we'll um, have an HMO, HSA again, but we're going to be much more careful probably about our medications and about having the, well, the DPC doctor now for the entire family. So we'll be getting our medications through there. And I just think it's going to be a lot less likely that we'll hit a deductible, barring some sort of disaster, um, which is hopefully nothing happens. But anyway, I would recommend again, sharing, health sharing, DPC doctor. And even if you don't do those things, you may have remembered my episode about Scripco. That's a membership-based generic medication dispensing organization that, you, that only costs $120. They charge you actual um, wholesale prices. So you pay pennies on the dollar for most of your medications. If you're on a couple medicines that are generic, like say an EpiPen or something, even that would pay for your, your monthly subscription or I should say your annual subscription that's available in over half the states right now as we speak in November. By the end of the year, they expect it'll be available in every state in the country. So that would certainly be an option for someone just looking to save money on insurance um, costs because even when you have co-pays, they can be significantly more than what you may pay just paying the wholesale price and the subscription fee for the year. And again, I'd like to remind you that you can find all the links to these past episodes we discussed, Scripco, all these other things at theparadox.com slash 104. Please continue to share the show with your friends. Please continue to listen. If you're not yet subscribed, please hit that subscription button. It is absolutely free. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening Bye. to The Paradox. If you like what The Doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash theparadox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com.